The following episode contains adult content, violence, and sex. Listener discretion is advised. Legacy, a Star Wars audio drama created and produced by Crystal Storm. Episode 11. Chapter 35. Information Loop. I stood in front of the hollow terminal on my starship listening to T7's report. For the last four months, my favorite little droid managed to be a spy on Dubrillion, unnoticed by Darth Virez's forces. His intel had been valuable, but the Darth had not made any noticeable moves. The only thing of note was that she was transporting something from a research facility with some regularity, and she frequently left the planet for short intervals. T7 had been unable to determine where she was going, but I suspected that her true base of operations was somewhere close to Debrillion. The last time I'd felt the approaching darkness in my meditations, a vision had accompanied it. In it, Darth Virez had attacked Tython. With army or weapons, it had not showed me. I'd immediately told the Jedi Council. I was to make finding and stopping her my highest priority. Her son is getting married? T7 confirmed. I frowned. It would be an excellent opportunity to snatch Darth Virez, her children, and read. But I felt wrong. Taking my family's day of happiness and turning it into... No, I silently corrected myself sternly. Not my family. Not even close anymore. Still, even if I wanted to... I couldn't send a force to Debrillion, a planet that may or may not be under the protection of whatever kind of weapon my sister was preparing. Get as close as you can, T7. I need to know who my sister favors. Admit it. Some small part of you wants to go. A small part. Anytime you want to see what a wedding looks like, beautiful, you just let me know. Offer still stands. I smiled faintly. During the last few months together, Doc had returned to his old form. I wasn't sure what was responsible. Perhaps he'd made peace that we couldn't be together? Regardless, I'd missed the sight of him and I was happy to have it back. Ready to get dirty? <laughs> Knowing you, that means we're going into a sewer or a battlefield or something not even remotely fun. You know me so well. Chapter 36. A Moment for Family. The majority of my life had been spent on a battlefield. There were not many moments of genuine peace and simplicity. My son's wedding was one of them. The timing was perfect. It was one day we could all come together to reconnect as a family, and few knew how much that meant to me. It reminded me briefly of my childhood, and though those memories felt very faint, the feelings were still there. They hadn't all been tainted by my horrible mistake. My weakness. Lincoro and Mako were married in the royal gardens behind the palace. My daughter sat next to me during the ceremony, Reed next to her, Elijah at my other side, his Nadia next to him. Mako and Vet had grown so close she'd asked Vet to stand with her. I approved of this friendship for many reasons, not many of them admirable. Vancito stood with his brother and I can say with certainty that I have not seen my Lincoro as happy as he was, watching Mako walk down the aisle towards him. Bliz, a Jawa, and a member of my son's crew, whom I deeply approved of, served as the flower girl. 
The ceremony itself was beautiful. Afterwards, Lencoro and Mako didn't stay at the reception and I hadn't expected it. I couldn't afford my son a long honeymoon. In fact, I needed him to go to Ilum immediately for a pickup that couldn't wait. The entire family stood at the archway where a colorfully decorated speeder awaited the newlywed couple. I hugged Lencoro tightly, proudly, and stepped away. Elijah put his hand on my shoulder and I leaned against him, watching my now married son and his new wife. Mako climbed onto the speeder behind Lancoro and wrapped her arms tightly around him. They sped off together amidst waves and cheers and playful cat calls by Vancito and Tana. Did you ever believe that he'd go first? I don't know that I approve completely, but she'll do for the moment. Well, you're happy today. Why wouldn't I be? Happy enough to dance with your husband? Can you? <laughs> I'll even lead. You are happy. You didn't make a snide comment about Nadia once. <laughs> Don't have to. Her eyes are boring a hole into my back. It's a delicious feeling. <laughs> I came in closer and set my chin affectionately on Elijah's shoulder. Mostly because I wanted to. Less because it would antagonize Nadia. He was right, though. I was happy. Moments later, I heard someone clear his throat. <clears> throat> When I looked over my shoulder, Quinn stood there, entirely too handsome in the all-black-and-blue uniforms that my army wore. May I cut in? You may not. But damn Elijah, he spun me around, forcing me to face Quinn. I probably should have walked away. Instead, I allowed Quinn to take me into his arms. You're beautiful. You're pushing it. Again. I only wanted to dance. I didn't believe him for a second. He'd been behaving himself, but I knew it was only a matter of time before he pushed the line again. I will blame my lingering feelings of happiness for the reason I didn't know he'd gotten so close until I felt Quinn's cheek against mine. A second later, I felt my fingers toying with the hair on the back of his neck. I let my eye drift closed. Marry me. <laughs> you... Only you would have the sheer nerve to ask me that. I'm already married, Captain. He doesn't have your heart. How would you know? You've never looked at him the way you look at me. The answer to your question is no. He said nothing else, just held me close until the music stopped. When it was over, he stepped back, saluted me respectfully, and walked away. I watched his departing figure pointedly ignoring the look Elijah was giving me. I turned to see Reed walking towards me, and I could tell by the expression on her face that something was wrong. We need to talk, but not here. I followed her lead. Chapter 37, The Motives That Drive Us <sighs> Zarin's droid is planet side. I know. Why haven't I taken it out yet? You're risking Elijah's cover. You realize that. Makithia knows about Elijah. But now that he's killed the Emperor's first son, if he's removed from the Jedi Order, it's of little consequence. He doesn't need to be there anymore. Okay. How about not letting the enemy spy on us? Reed. Do you think Zarin is going to magically see you're some kind of good person and forgive you if you let that droid stay here? 
T7 relays the information I want it to. It knows nothing of importance. You don't know that. They could sneak into the spaceport. They could plan an ambush. She won't. My presence means she must assume Debrillin is under the Empire's rule. She can't risk a blatant altercation of the treaty because she's got a grudge against me. And if they think they're striking against the Emperor? They know he's not here. They won't. You need to stop this. You know what this is about. I did. At first, it was about building something that made sure we could do things our way. Then it was about the fracking emperor and your need to atone for shit that just happened. I've always needed to atone for it. Kazran challenged you. He died. You're a Sith. It's not a unique story. Don't tell me what I am. She is never going to forgive you. You look like a Sith. You dress like a Sith. The dark side is in your fracking face, Larissa, and Zarin is never going to accept that. You either fit into her bubble or you're out. It's black and fracking white with her. When are you going to let it go? Never going to forgive me or never going to forgive you? If Makethia gets an open shot at you, she's going to take it. And she doesn't just want to kill you, Larissa. She's going to kill your whole family. Zarin will be nicer. She'll just throw you in a cell until you meditate long enough and can recite the Jedi Code with feeling. There was the possibility that Reed was right. I'd always known that. The Sith in me rebelled vehemently against my decisions. But if I started killing my sister's allies unnecessarily, it would be that much harder to convince her that I might be a Sith, but I was not the monster she thought I was. A fool's errand, perhaps, but the Jedi that still sat inside of me had to try. Leave the droid alone. You're putting us all at risk. Then we're either strong enough to handle it, or we aren't. That's Sith enough for you? The ship was silent. Everyone was planet-side. It was why I'd chosen to come aboard my vessel. I sat in the main hold, meditating over the feelings of the day. I was so close to all of them that their emotions ran rampant around me. I didn't mind the feeling, but after the events of today and my argument with Reed, I just wanted to sit in my own. My eye was closed, a quiet, dramatic piece of music playing in the background. Hours later, I knew the moment he stepped aboard. You can't have it both ways, Captain. You said you couldn't do it anymore. I released you. Perhaps tonight I wish to be reminded of that pain. And if I don't? Then be reminded of the times before it. I realized after the hang of silence he was waiting. I opened my eye and looked at him. Quinn wore the uniform far too well, but he was more attractive in it when he loosened the collar and looked at me the way he was right then, with raw, intense emotion on his face. I got up slowly and came towards him. For several heartbeats, nothing happened. We just stood there, close enough that I could feel his chest move every time he took a deep breath. I lifted my hands, toying with his open collar. I didn't want to fight. Not just then. Not him. He pressed his lips against my forehead tentatively, and I could feel the control he was exerting over himself. Larissa. I tipped my face up just enough that when I spoke, my lips teased against his own. If you're going to do it, 
do it. One thing I always appreciated about Quinn, I never had to repeat myself. I felt the rush of his breath half a second before he robbed me of mine. His hands removed whatever was in his way and I let him. When I could breathe again, I still couldn't. His mouth was everywhere I wanted it. On my neck, on my breast, between my thighs to send me shattering just so he could rob me up again. When he finally came inside me, I was trapped between the weight of him and the leather of the couch at my back. Two delicious sensations. I sunk my teeth into his shoulder, barely muffling my shameless sounds. I wrapped myself around him, surging up to meet his strong thrust, grabbing his ass and pulling him harder into me. To get into passion and forge a connection inside of it, a stunning and addictive feeling. He didn't say it when we'd broken and come down and lay there, tangled and damp. I didn't say it either when I smoothed the hair from his forehead and wrapped myself tighter around him. We didn't have to. I laid in bed, hugging a pillow to me, watching him dress. Quinn stayed the night and we hadn't slept much. It hadn't been nonstop full of the other either. For once... The silence brought peace. Do you know why you never sent my betrayal? My eye narrowed. I didn't want to think about it. I wanted to bask in this moment and be nothing but a well-satisfied woman. But now he'd brought it up, and my thoughts were there, my emotions suddenly spinning, and I had the urge to force choke him. It's because it wasn't a betrayal to you. I owed a debt to him. I was on a bound to pay it. You shouldn't have started anything with me if you owed him. I know that. I knew that one day he might call in my debt in some cruel way, but I wanted you anyway. I am a selfish man. I had to have you. My weakness is you, Larissa. Malavi. No, it's fine. You admire strength above all else, I understand. He bent to kiss me. I touched his jaw, lingering in it. His forehead remained against mine even when the touch of his mouth left. I kept my eye closed, my fingers against his skin. This can't happen again. I know. I am glad it happened, though. As am I. He drew back and left my quarters without another word. I sighed quietly, hugging the pillow that smelled like him closer to me, and fell asleep. Chapter 38. The Republic Strikes Back. Dubrillian Spaceport Corellian Excess Light Freighter Hangar. Blood flew out of my mouth. I stumbled, catching myself. Frag, being as drunk as I was fighting Makethea's sneak attack was proving to be a little difficult. For one... I had no idea where my blaster had gone. For two, I was fracking drunk. I had not been this drunk in quite some time. I'd been working hard, doing the things I couldn't rightly remember at the moment. 
You bitch. My cybernetic eye focused on her a lot faster than my real one did. Wait till I'm sober. I don't give a frack what Larissa says. I'm gonna blow your stupid Republic brains. She tried to cut off my tirade with another fist, but I caught it. I did, and I kicked her right in the stomach. Yes, I stumbled back, but I caught myself. Keithia looked pissed, and that made me feel warm and fuzzy inside. I couldn't keep up enough to block her next series of attacks, though, and whew, the next time her fist cracked against my face, <laughs> it put me to the ground. Whoever let you on the spaceport is going to get it. I would have gotten up but the concrete floor was cold and it felt really, really good against my cheek. You're sloppy and undisciplined. She stepped back and let her lackey run up to me, shoving his knee into my back and cuffing my hands. You're a hating bitch who lost the last time we met. And yet here I am. I muttered another slurred expletive at her as Jorgen, Jorgen, hauled me to my feet. Permission to silence the prisoner. Permission to silence the prisoner. Through my annoyance, I realized that this was not maybe the best of situations. At all. Never mind my capture. How the hell had Makethia gotten the passcodes to get into the spaceport? I knew she was having me watch, but Lancoral's wedding wasn't something I talked about in open air. That meant she needed someone planet-side. Shit. The droid. T7. <laughs> Damn it. Larissa. I needed to warn her. No. 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 I had to sleep it off. I had to sleep off way too much liquor first, and getting captured could possibly work out in my favor. Yes, sleep first. Were they talking? Why were they talking? Ugh, idiot republic. Oh, just fracking hit me already, you ugly. Thankfully, they finally obliged. I was procrastinating. The Jedi Council had summoned me to Tython. I suspected I knew what for, and I was prolonging the inevitable. I'd also had a chance to have some quiet, uninterrupted time with Nadia. And I decided to take it. Will we ever be together? Nadia's head rested comfortably against my shoulder, my arm nestled around her. Her fingers traced idle patterns on my bare chest, a sensation I very much enjoyed. At her question, I pressed my lips against her forehead. We are together. You know what I mean. I did. I shifted her and myself so I could palm her beautiful face between my hands and kiss her. Nadia fell into my touch, making it linger hotly before she pulled away. It's not that I don't. I know. I just... I know. Do you love her? Not as I love you. I sensed them before there was time to do much about it. The door to my quarters was kicked open to reveal Eric and Kira. Calmly, I covered Nadia and sat up. I take it the Jedi Council didn't wish to wait any longer? We need you to come with us, Elijah. My brow quirked when he did not address me as a Jedi Master. I knew exactly what this was about. Our lightsabers are in that dresser. 
If you'll remove them and then yourselves to give us a moment to dress, I'd be happy to join you. P7 had learned that Lancoro had been ordered to Ilum directly after his wedding. Why, T7 had not been able to determine. That was all right. If I knew when to expect him, I could track his movements on the surface. I had succeeded on Corellia, though not without the help of other Jedi, and returned Master Braga to the Jedi Council, where he could recover from what the Emperor had done to him. Now I was on Ilum and had partnered with SIS Special Agent Isaac to help me with my current assignment. It was Isaac who kept eyes on Lancoro and Mako when they landed. Opportunity presented itself when Lancoro left Mako to attend a private meeting. Isaac cornered Mako in the cantina, left an agent to keep watch for Lancoro, and brought Mako to me. When Mako walked in, I could sense she was scared, but she was trying hard not to show it. I said nothing for long moments, taking that time to read her in a way only Amira Luca could. After a time, I nodded to myself. She could be reasoned with. Mako, my name is Zarin. A good friend of yours, Kaizen Fess, said that we might be able to reach out to you. We need your help. My help? You are aware of what my chosen profession is, right? I am. I also know that your parents were SIS and died in service to the Republic, not the Empire. I don't serve the Empire. Perhaps not directly, but your husband's actions have always benefited them. What do you know about my parents? Personally, not much but I have access to that information. What do you want in exchange? I will gladly share what I know about your family. Kaizen tells me you owe him the debt of your life. Yes. He is calling in that debt. How? Mako. My last name is Daklin. You are married to my nephew. Prove it. I hesitated, but only because even though I could not see the photo, I knew everyone that was in it. Could still feel the emotion of that day. I passed it to her. Who are the others? The Sith was adopted into our family. No, I met her. I know who she is. When did you meet her? On Hoth. She attacked Koro and I. Setting aside the words I would have with my sister later, I continued. The young man you see there was our brother. What happened to him? Larissa killed him. What do you want from me? Larissa and our other sister chose a different path. A darker one. The Jedi Council and I fear that my sister plans to bring the Sith to Typhon. If that's true, there's nothing I can do. But there is. We know Larissa has a secret location where she is housing some kind of army or weapon, or both. All I need from you is to know where that location is. You can't ask me to do that. What happens to Lancoro? You've seen the violence of Darth Virez. I know you have. I cannot allow her to attack Typhon. If that was really her goal, why now? A good question but one I don't have the answer to. I had a vision. I saw Darth Virez in it. We know she's coming. Mako began pacing, and I could sense the conflict in her. I sympathized. Some things were simply necessary, though. You can't ask me to do this. I can't betray him. You owe a debt, Mako. A very steep one. I'm not asking you. A friend who once saved your life is. If I do this, you have to promise me that nothing will happen to Lancoro. You let him go, no matter what. I hesitated, but I could sense this would be a deal-breaker for her, and we needed this information. It was a small price to pay for the larger picture. Done. I think... I think he's going to take me there. Soon. Place this in your implant. We'll be able to track your location. 
Let me go. Of course. Good luck, Mako. And thank you. Tell Kaizen we're even now. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Legacy. Please remember to subscribe, drop us a review, and share this story with your friends. I also encourage you to come hang out with us. We've got a Discord server and soon we'll have a Facebook group. To join the Discord, click the link down in the description or go to dsc.gg backslash crystalsimagination. You can also join us Tuesday evening, 7 Eastern, 6 Central for the Legacy After Show where I talk with the cast about the episodes and related topics. We do those on Twitch, twitch.tv backslash crystalsimagination, or just click the link down in the description. Episode 11 features voice performances by Bunbarian, Joe Moyer, Crystal Storm, Adam Corman, Alex Ahmed, Nikki G, Tara, Melissa Oki, Race DeCanis, and Guama Harstenel. Sound work done by Hannah Cardiac and Crystal Storm. Chapter 38's transition music composed by the amazing multi-talented Tara. To view the full cast list, get your PDF copy of Legacy, and learn more about Crystal's sci-fi novels and other upcoming fiction podcasts, go to crystalsimagination.com. Legacy's theme song is composed by Daniel Cherlitza, titled Star Wars Dark Side Themes Reimagined. Additional amazing music tracks contributed to this episode, so please read the description for full credits and links to each track. Legacy is a work of fan fiction created inside the Star Wars The Old Republic universe. It is written, directed, and produced by Crystal Storm. The Daklin family are original characters created by Crystal. A big thank you to Bioware, LucasArts, and Disney for providing such a rich world to create in. You know it's hard out here for a pimp. We done heard that shit before. <laughs> I'm keeping that in there. <laughs> Bands will make her dance. Bands will make her dance. All these cheap clapping girls. I don't know. I'm not editing that out. Oh, please. I'm not. <laughs> okay, let's get.